Hi, fellow Marists and other listeners who may be joining us. Welcome to this episode of the Marist Association of St. Marcelin Champagne's podcast. I'm Tracy Dublay from the membership team, and today I'm presenting the third of our series of readings from the Association's Christ Life publication. As always, to read the full edition and to watch the Meet a Marist video this month from Katie Lynch in Perth, check your inboxes or go to the Association website, maristassociation.org.au, and go to the News menu tab or scroll down the homepage to the latest news. This is the June 2023 edition, and again, I thank the people who generously agreed to read their own contributions. They'll let you know who they are as they begin each reading. Some important items from the e-edition. We welcome 26 new members to the association in May. Congratulations to all of them. Most will have their membership certificates and pins by now. The Association Council recently released its Strategic Directions 2023-2025 to document. This was a follow-on from the feedback contributed by members at last year's National Assembly and I recommend that all members take a look at this document. A reminder about the midwinter retreat to be held in Mittagong from the 5th to 7th of July. For details and registration, go to the website and scroll down the homepage to the formation section. Okay, listeners, grab your cuppa, settle into your seats, and let's go. Mina Mani. My name is Mani, and today I'm speaking to you on Ghana country. The wisdom of our elders. This month, a dear friend of mine, Father Tony Gittens, left the earth and returned home to eternal life. The spirit-led meeting as two complete strangers connected two worlds into one in a collision of old wisdom and new wisdom, opening my heart and mind in ways I couldn't have imagined. How lucky I was in this life to know him and encounter his pure love. His journey through life has been a legacy of championing people, a beacon of hope, loving wholly and truly. Now his purpose and his why will be carried out by so many people that were fortunate to meet him, read his words or listen to him teach. As I have taken an abundance of wisdom from Tony, as well as my life having deeper meaning and purpose, I have also learned so much from elders, parents, mentors, guardians, and wisdom figures I have encountered in my life. One of my most treasured memories and keepsakes from my primary schooling years came from being able to write a letter to the four of my grandparents asking about how they got to school when they were my age. I loved rereading these letters. They were part of my grandparents' stories, and it felt like a real honour and treasure to uncover that knowledge of more. As we have all gathered recently in celebration of our foundation with our feast day in June, it was a joy to witness and embrace familiar faces united by common love and hope for humanity. 
It has spurred a week of reflection for myself, a reflection on all I have learned from the wisdom figures in my life. My Raymar Helm teaching me the strength in saying sorry for those we have hurt and the humility in telling us how he had grown from encounters with us. My boss and now friend, Liz, showed me the kindness in small actions to ensure people feel seen and worthy. The grace in being in the background, lifting people up and creating spaces for them to grow beyond what they thought was possible. James and Brother Joa taught me the love in investing time to sit with people and listen to their story. And then Almira's family is home, wherever you find yourself. I want to express gratitude for who they've helped me become, for their unwavering support and nurturing, for their wisdom and grounded presence, for the space they've created for me, for the curiosity they've given me, for their ability to let my dreams be limitless and allow my voice to be heard for how they love and how they've shown me to love, for their ability to hold me tightly in challenging times and have faith in my choices, for how they've role modeled being this for people we encounter, whether neighbors, strangers, whatever, for showing me everybody matters, absolutely, for their gentle hearts, their courageous minds and their radiant love. We are leading up to NIDOC week and the theme for this year is for our elders. This theme acknowledges the trailblazing First Nation elders who have been the foundation of strength for our First Nations communities for generations past and present. We pay homage to the wisdom figures nurturers, healers, advocates, leaders, and navigators who have created a safe home for many. As an ally, I express my heartfelt gratitude for the elders I have been privileged to be in the presence of and how fortunate I am to have listened to their stories and witnessed their strength in safekeeping their stories for future generations. More recently, my heart has been breaking as I have watched in horror the cruel, harmful words that are being directed towards significant wisdom figures in our country. The gift of love, authentic truth-telling and culture that has been shared with us has been decimated. As I recently sat and listened to a Wiradjuri elder and her concern that was expressed in the lead up to the voice referendum was the impact that this would have on our young people, regardless of the outcome. We are already seeing the repercussions of this and we cannot stand idly by. Father Tony Gittins spoke to me about signposts and the importance of authentic signs. So I sincerely hope this is a sign to you to look beyond what we know, challenge being barricaded in our own certainties 
to learn more deeply, love more widely, and live tall, standing alongside our First Nations family. May we as Maris be protectors and connectors of gentle hearts, courageous minds, and radiant love, believing in our common human responsibility for making the world a more fit place for every human person to live. To share some more wisdom as a peaceful prayer and to reignite our commitment to stand in solidarity, I invite you to reflect on the words from Father Tony Gittins in his meditation on the creed. A simple creed. I believe in God, creator of an unfinished world, a world in process, who does not decree an eternal plan in which we cannot participate. I believe in God, who is not discriminating or dividing people into developed and developing countries, the poor and the rich. I believe in Jesus, born poor, born in difficult times, who came to understand the conditions of his own local world and who took such a courageous stand for justice and peace that it cost his life. I believe in Jesus who lives for all people so that all people may truly live and so that we may all become free and help to transform the world. I believe in the Spirit of God who brings life into all creation and I believe in the community of all persons, women and men and children, strangers and aliens, immigrants and refugees, those who are poor, homeless and depressed, those who are old and ailing, sick and dying, and those who experience any kind of disability. I believe in our common human responsibility for making the world a more fit place for every human person to live. I believe that it is possible to build a just peace and care for a livable earth. I believe that a life full of meaning and value is the right of every person everywhere. And I commit myself to making some serious changes in my own lifestyle in order to bring about clearer signs of the realm of God on earth. Amen. I am Brother Robert O'Connor, Bob O'Connor, from the Morris Brothers community at Marcelin House Randwick in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Formerly, I was part of the staff at the Hermitage Retreat and Spirituality Centre in Mitigong, New South Wales. This is the Miriam of Nazareth Reflection for Christ's Life for June 2023. Do you ever wonder where your current images of Mary, Miriam, come from? Recall perhaps your years in Catholic primary school? 
thence into secondary school, and thence through those years, common to many of us as we grew into adulthood, when we may have, quote, given it all away for a time, or perhaps maybe for good. Do you perhaps recall the May miracle event in our Australian Mara story, set in the rock, Sydney, in those early years of the growing port city, and the three young Marist brothers seeking to establish our first Catholic and Marist school. Recall the story, the turmoil, the undisciplined lads, as compared perhaps with the more civilised European children the brothers knew. What brought about the change? Remember, it was the decision the brothers made to introduce the lads to the rosary and to encourage them to bring flowers for their May altar. No problem that the flower merchants at the port came complaining of the lads, quote, stealing their flowers, unquote. But their hearts were in the right place. And even back then, we considered it important to honour Miriam as best we could. Though even we here in the Antipodes had adopted her imperial image perhaps too much. Our quote is from Elizabeth Johnson, a wonderful Marian scholar and scripture scholar, American sister, in her book, Dangerous Memories, A Mosaic of Mary in Scripture. And she writes, and I quote, Our minimum knowledge of her, Miriam, a Jewish woman, married, a mother, lived in Galilee in the decades before and after the year AD 1, by which our Western calendar divides eras, but archaeology, economic and sociological studies of the Roman Empire, research on the role of women and the study of ancient authors such as Josephus, Tacitus and others has opened other windows. Nazareth, for example, small village in South Galilee off the main road of commercial travel suggests a farming community olive presses, wine presses, water cisterns, millstones, storage holes. Maybe three to 400 peasants working their own land or tenant farmers for others, or craft persons serving their needs, making tools, as probably young Joseph did. Nothing here suggests wealth, financially poor, paying triple taxes, tithes to the temple, tribute to Rome, taxes to decline kings like the Herods, so struggling to stay afoot. A riot against repressive taxes in the year 4 BC in the city of Sepphoris, where we think Joseph and young Jesus probably worked for a time, Rome crucified 2,000 Jews repressing the revolt, burned the city to the ground and enslaved the inhabitants. Miriam and her little family knew what crucifixion looked like, unquote. Hi, um, it's Paul Reed here from Assumption College, Kilmore. I'm the, the mission leader at Assumption, and I'm also a member of the local Kilmore uh, Association Group. Uh, I was privileged to go on the uh, recent 2023 uh, Maris pilgrimage, and I, I, I wrote this little reflection about my time in Lavella, and especially at the Maris Community House in Lavella. 
Hanging in the Assumption College Chapel is a magnificent interpretive painting of The Last Supper. What makes this painting special is that it can be viewed on three levels. With Jesus, Mary and the 12 apostles sitting around a table with bread and wine, it is immediately recognisable as a representation of the Last Supper. But as the apostles are all Assumption College students, the painting has a contemporary dimension. We are all invited to be disciples of Jesus. We are all invited to his table fellowship. But the third dimension to the painting has a Marist lens. Jesus and the disciples are sitting around the Lavella table. This table was built by Marcelin Champagne and his earliest community of brothers sat around this table in the village of Lavella, Marcelin's first parish, and shared their meals and stories. Having been invited to represent Assumption College on the 2023 Marist pilgrimage, my highlight was to visit Lavella and not only physically see and sit at this table, but to bring the Assumption College painting to life by actually sitting around it with my fellow pilgrims and celebrate the Eucharist together. Contemporary disciples all brought together by our universal Marist community to celebrate the Eucharist in the tradition of those first apostles who gathered with Jesus in the upper room. Marcelin's first community house was a special place to visit. At its lowest level, now below street level, there are two rooms hewn from rock, dark except for soft lighting on a simple cross with rustic chairs to sit on. In this cave-like environment, the pilgrim is invited to spend time in silent prayer and meditation. It represents the idea that our foundations are our Christian beliefs and the prayer life that flows from these. The second level is not only where the Labella table is found, but also the local community's dining room. It represents the idea that we are not Christians alone, but our deep beliefs and spirituality is lived out and nourished in community, especially our table fellowship and the telling of our stories. The simplicity of the Lavella table and its invitation to be present to each other takes up three of the great Marist values, simplicity, presence, and family spirit. Only then can we get to the third level, a functional place, without the intimacy or the gentleness of the first two, where we all exist on a daily basis. This is where the mission is discussed and planned, then flows out into the world, like the Gear River that flows through Labella, down past the Hermitage of Our Lady, the spiritual heart of the Marist world, built by Marcelin and the earliest brothers, hewn out of the rocky hillside. This water then flows out into the world to give life and love to all. Just as Moses drew water from the rock, to nourish and sustain the wandering Israelites on their pilgrimage to the promised land. All of us live out our Christian call on this third level, but the Labella house was a powerful reminder that this only works if we have prayer and our Christian ideals as the foundation and are then nourished by our Eucharistic community 
who support and sustain us. Hi there, my name is Sabrina and I'm a regional assistant within the Maris Youth Ministry MIM Melbourne team. It feels surreal to me that it is already halfway through the year working within this role and what an exciting adventure it has been so far. My journey as a Marist began through my education at Panola Catholic College, Melbourne, where I was taught of the rich tradition of Mary McKillop's story, whilst experiencing the Marist tradition through an earlier form of the Game Changers program, previously named Raymar. Throughout my Raymar journey, I was able to get involved in faith and mission at school, leading to a captain of Christian service role throughout my Year 12 experience. The seed that was planted during high school had sparked my love for service and from this I volunteered further post high school through campus ministry during my studies at Australian Catholic University. From this space I was offered a position within campus ministry working as a ministry assistant delving deep into my faith and love for journeying with others. From my passion for ministry and reflecting on the value of my Maris journey within the Raymar program, I felt called to apply for this role. And it's safe to say the Maris story and spiritualities had an immense impact on my life. Before I knew the MIM mission statement, I experienced it firsthand, that I was known and loved by Jesus. I knew this in the way my Raymar mentors would listen to me and be present, journeying with me through the ups and downs of my high school experience. These mentors offered me a space to be heard and valued me at all stages. From this deep gratitude, I knew my heart's desire was to do the same for others and make God's love known. It's Friday in the office today and we had our second Connect Night for the year yesterday. I was chatting with one of the students during the Connect Night and I was sharing with them how one action, one small yes, to attend a Rayma leadership camp in 2018 had changed the trajectory of my life. I used to look at the leaders within the camp and think to myself, I want to do that one day. And it fills me with great gratitude knowing I get to work within this space and give back what I had received. Looking at the students connecting with each other during our Connect Night filled me with immense joy and almost had me emotional. I couldn't help but think to myself, wow. We have such an incredible young generation who will lead our future. And I find myself saying this often after our regional retreat days. Our Game Changer students are true game changers in our world. And it is a privilege to journey with them. Being a Marist to me means journeying alongside others with presence and simplicity. I used to think impact could only be made in grandiose ways. But through my personal experience of the Marist spirituality... I learned that intentional presence has an invaluable impact on the lives of others. I learned also that authenticity is attractive. Coming as you are and allowing others to do the same is rare but incredibly necessary. These aspects of Maris spirituality resonate with me and will guide me into my future career path as I finalise my studies in primary education at Australian Catholic University. Being attentive and present to the needs of others and walking gently with a welcoming heart is truly what being a Marist is all about. And I will remind myself of this when I journey with my future students.
It has been a joyful experience working alongside the MIM Melbourne team and with our regional assistants from Perth and South Australia so far. Whether it's hitting the road for our regional retreat days, planning for events with musical tunes in the office, or simply watering our office plant joy. No two days are the same when working with MIM. I'm excited for what's to come during the next half of the year and I look forward to continuing to journey with our young people in the Marist way. Hello, it's John Hickey here from the Marist Mission and Life Formation Team and this is for the June edition of Christ Life. Champagne Global, Stronger Together. From the 28th of November to the 6th of December last year, I joined Brother Jeff Crow, uh, the MSA Regional Director for Queensland, Northern New South Wales and the Northern Territory, Mark Elliott, and over 70 other delegates from various Marist regions around the globe in Mexico City for a gathering of members of the Marist Global Network of Schools. The main purpose of the gathering was to define and build in a participatory way the roadmap for the Champagne Global project for the next three years, 2023 to 2025. The first week consisted of a number of keynote speakers and workshops, along with many opportunities for open dialogue and discussion. And as key themes emerged, notably renewed focus on global citizenship, sharing great practice, and the critical role of networking. The second week, from 3rd to the 6th of December, some delegates visited schools of the two Marist provinces of Mexico. There was some time allocated during the first week for each region to share some best practice, which gave us the opportunity to deliver a presentation on the work of Marist Schools Australia, focusing on three areas in particular. Connecting people through the Marist Association and various national events, Secondly, formation for mission and with students, staff and school leaders. And thirdly, fostering a culture of continuing improvement in our schools. By the end of the gathering, there was a sense that a common purpose for the next three years was taking shape and that the aspirations were becoming specific around the following four objectives. One, that the Champagne Global Network will be widely known and that the majority of schools will be involved. Two, that the digital platform already in place called Agora or Agora is functioning as a space for exchange and development. And third, that we have a network which delivers programs and projects with visible impact. That is, that we make a difference. And fourth, that the network has an organisational and leadership structure. <clears throat> Much has been happening in the six months since these objectives were formulated. Of particular importance is the creation of an advisory committee to support the work of the network. This committee is made up of Maris who, through their leadership, can make a valuable contribution to the advice and momentum of the network during the critical first three years of the project. Our MSA National Director, Dr Frank Malloy, is the Australian representative. A further development highlighted in the latest Champagne Global newsletter 
is the opportunity for this network of Marist schools to be an instrument for promoting the Global Compact on Education, an initiative of Pope Francis. In launching this initiative, the Pope spoke of the urgency and necessity, and I quote, to join efforts to achieve a broad educational alliance with a view to forming mature people capable of rebuilding the fabric of relationships and creating a more fraternal, equitable and caring humanity, an alliance between the inhabitants of the earth and the common home to which we owe care and respect. End of quote. Pope Francis goes on to note that, and to quote again, despite the goals and targets formulated by the UN and other bodies and the significant effort made by some countries, education remains unequal among the population. End of quote. To address this fundamental issue and build the compact, the Pope proposes that all educational systems push for seven commitments. The first, putting the person at the centre of the educational process. Secondly, listening to the voice of children, adolescents and young people. Third, encouraging the full participation of girls and young women. Fourth, to have the family as the first and indispensable educator. Fifth, educate ourselves to welcome, opening ourselves to the most vulnerable and marginalised. Number six, to commit ourselves to study in order to find other ways of understanding the economy, politics, growth and progress. And lastly, caring for our common home. Champagne Global, as a Marist network of schools, is an ideal instrument for promoting this global compact on education, as the Pope calls it. And in this sense, two interesting activities are being carried out. Firstly, an international webinar was held on the 8th and the 15th of June to share experiences on how to build this compact in our schools. Secondly, the network has promoted the co-creation of a notebook of dynamics developed in the Mara School to build collaboration with the initiative of the International Organisation of Catholic Education in order to share good practice. So in summary, this international space is becoming a key focus area for Marists, as indeed it should be. We are truly an international organisation and Marcelin Champagne himself spoke of his desire for the Marists to have a presence in, I quote, all dioceses of the world, unquote. Building a global network of schools helps connect us and ultimately will enhance the impact and effectiveness of Marist schools everywhere. Hello. I'm Brother Michael Flanagan, a member of the association mascot. And um, for this month, I've done a reflection on the Sacred Heart. As Maris, we become more conscious in June of Marcelin and his enduring gifts to us. But June is also in Catholic tradition, the month of the Sacred Heart. When I was a boy, a picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary hung in the hallway of our home, as it did in those days in most Catholic homes throughout the nation and beyond. 
It was a common marriage gift for Catholic couples. I remember it was an important thing for my parents and grandparents. It was a significant presence in the house. Although none of us could give an in-depth theological treatise on what that significance was. Upon reflection, the sacred hearts brought a sense of security, of warmth and of love. It was a concrete bridge between God and our humanity. There was little to take comfort on in, in the Catholic doctrines of the 50s and 60s, but this metaphor of heart spoke eloquently of the true nature of our God as a loving and tender father. Life was hard in general, but it was lived in the ever-present care and concern of the Lord and his mother. Nothing was going to happen that we, he and his mother, could not handle together. There was comfort taken in the sacred heart. Was it because we sensed it guaranteed for us that we had a God who understood what it was like to be a human being? After all, he had a heart. David Rico, a therapist, author and teacher, expands on this innate sense of ours. And I quote, The heart of Christianity is the heart of Jesus a passionate devotedness to the well-being of humanity. To be a Christian is to be possessed by that same passionate intention. Our heart is the soft centre of our ego-less self, and it has one impelling desire, to open. The heart is the capacity to open. This is the force that complements our other powers. It takes us beyond our limits. It contains our ability to reach out. So it is the antidote to despair. We are spiritually coded in ways we have not yet dared even to imagine, unquote. An impelling desire to love. When one is living like Christ, he or she is impelled to love, to serve, to move beyond oneself. The Sisters of Charity in Australia have as their motto, Caritas Christi Urget Nos, the love of Christ urges us or impels us, it compels us. The spirituality of the Sacred Heart is widespread throughout the Catholic world and has been central to the charism of many religious orders. One obvious example is the missionaries of the Sacred Heart. In a beautiful explanation of their charism, they say, the presence of God at the heart of the universe makes the world sacred. And this presence draws us to transcend our own being through love a love that has as its source the heart of God. Spirituality of the heart reverences the human heart as loved by God unconditionally and as the privileged place of encounter with God. Living such a spirituality involves making the journey into one's own heart and into the heart of the human condition. 
open to encountering there the compassionate heart of Jesus. The spirituality of the heart has played an important role in our own spirituality. At the conclusion of his spiritual testament, Marcelin left us all in the sacred hearts of Jesus and Mary. For Marcelin, that must have been a wonderful place to be. He could do no better than to secure us a place there. Brother Michael Green has written of the place of the sacred heart in our Marist tradition and quote, a young Marist leader whose poor health permitted him only four short years as the brother's superior general in the 1880s, Brother Nestor Granier, wrote what is now a little known circular on the place of the sacred heart in Marist spirituality and mission. It is a rich exploration of the spirituality of the heart that is characteristic of many of the traditions of Christian spirituality that developed from France and especially of Mara spirituality. For Brother Nestor, encounter with God and others takes place in the heart. Indeed, they are two dimensions of the same reality. And here, Brother Michael quotes Brother Nestor. To be devoted to the sacred heart of Jesus does not mean to be in the habit of going to seek God on God's own, but of seeking God's reflection in people. And where is a person most striking and most loving, but in the human heart? Is it not to meet God in a heart similar to ours, a brother of ours, who except for sin, experienced all that we experience? The knowledge we have of our own hearts allows us to meet God like reading an open book. And that's the end of the quote from Brother Nestor. It's surprising in one sense to hear Brother Nestor's words. They are contemporary and relevant today, though written in 1881. God is found in other people. Jesus is a brother of ours. He has a heart similar to ours. God can be read like a book. Read Jesus, the visible likeness of the invisible father. The reader could research the full story of the evolution of the spirituality of the heart in Catholic tradition, and especially the story of St. Margaret Mary Alico, a visionary and mystic. In appearances to her, the Sacred Heart made a list of promises. I think, though, that I stand with David Rico, quoted earlier, who believes that only one promise is vital. And I quote, the only promise of the Sacred Heart of Jesus is that we have not yet lost, nor will we ever, <clears throat> ever lose our capacity to love. End of quote. Thank you. Hello, this is Pat O'Reilly, Director of Mission Identity at Maris 180, and this is our Christ Life article for June 2023. As diverse as Maris communities are here and abroad, so too are the many ways in which Champagne Day is marked and celebrated within and across places and peoples. 
Maris 180 gathered on June 8 to celebrate the Feast of St. Marcelin, one which connected people gathered together at Lavalla Blacktown and those in our regional and interstate ministries and services via Microsoft Teams. We were blessed to have Brother Michael Callanan, Maris 180 board member and associate director of the Maris Mission and Life Formation Team, share with us and engage us in the 2023 created and called theme. Michael's insights and provocations prompted us to reflection on our work, ourselves, our dearest, and what can assist us to live our fullest and best lives professionally and personally. We then enjoyed and were the beneficiaries of hearing from our Director of Therapeutic Services, Julie Collier, share and present on her recent life-changing Marist pilgrimage experience. Julie's powerful words, images, recollections and reflections drew us all into France and the Holy Land to places and history that inform and underpin our Marist and Christian heritage and vision. Julie left us with the image of the Marist heart, something dear to St. Marcelin and an important part of our Champagne Day ritual, bringing and holding all our children, young people and staff as one. We likewise continued the tradition and experience of recognising and celebrating colleagues who live the Marist characteristics in an exemplary and authentic way, presenting 11 Champagne Day award winners. We were delighted to have staff provide 232 nominations for the Champagne Award, recognising a large number of talented, committed and Marston-like colleagues who we are blessed to rub shoulders with daily. The following day, as part of their Champagne Day and Week celebrations, 12 staff from Marist College Eastwood engaged in their annual Staff Reflection Day at Daramu. The team from Daramu provided a wonderful presentation on the work, services and programs the team provides and delivers. This was complemented by input covering the breadth of all Marist 180 is and offers. The Eastwood staff brought many questions and perspectives to what they saw, heard and experienced and were generous in their hands-on service they offered in the garden in the second half of the day and in their affirmation and recognition of the work that the Daramu team delivers. The day also provided opportunity for discussion of our shared Marist endeavour and how we can collaborate and support each other in our work and our service. Another important part of the day with the Marist Eastwood staff was spending time examining and exploring the statistics, structures and elements that contribute to or exacerbate the difficult experience of the children and young people in the care of Marist 180. Service is critical. Agitating and speaking up in critique of systems and programs that fail children and young people is just as important. To borrow from the former Brazilian Archbishop, now recognised servant of God on the way to path on the path to recognised Catholic sainthood, Dom Helder Camara. When I give food to the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why they are poor, they call me a communist. In particular, and in a very specific case, after more than ten years of the home stretch campaign, advocating for the funding of out-of-home care being extended from age 18 to 21, 
This was finally realised with New South Wales being the last state or territory signing on for this in November 2022. Maris 180 appreciate the challenging transition for many in out-of-home care at age 18 and supported and welcomed the positive change the campaign gave rise to. In his recent announcing of his departure from the Premiership of Western Australia, Mark McGowan was asked by a journalist, what legacy and policy are you most proud of? His reply, we did this scheme to ensure a foster child gets supported to the age of 21. Previously, they were only supported to the age of 18. So now their family will get the financial support. So if you're a foster kid, you can now stay in care till 21. A lot of these things have been done, a lot, and you know, they will pass by because governments do so much. But there's certain things, you know, make a difference. May all those, like Mark McGowan, and inspired by Champagne and Helder Kamara, committed in some way to care for the least, last and lost, continue in word and action the struggle to change for the better, the more generous for the common good. Hello, I'm Brother Michael Flanagan, the province archivist. And I'm talking this morning about an article related to a photo from 1896, a rare photograph of a group of boys and brothers at St Vincent's Boys Home in Westmead. The Boys Home at Westmead had uh, existed since 1891 under various names and in various locations, but in 1896 it moved to its present location in Hawkesbury Road, Westmead. And this photo is captioned, a group at the home, Westmead, 1896. In 1896, the boys at St Vincent's walked from Five Dock to their new home on Hawkesbury Road, Westmead. In this amazing photo are three significant and remarkable Morris brothers, whose stories we will summarise in this article. It is a great pity that our resources do not allow us to look at the lives of at least some of the boys captured in this picture. It's well worth spending time studying their faces and looking for details of their clothing and demeanours. Pictures paint a thousand words. All the boys are dressed the same except for two who seem a little older than the others. One is next to the brother on the far left of the photo. The other stands to the left of the brother in the centre. Perhaps they are old boys still living and or working at St Vincent's. Another observation would be that many of the boys are very young. One wonders how they would have survived without being at St Vincent's. Life could not have been easy for anyone living in an orphanage at the end of the 19th century. But the boys were well cared for by both the St Vincent de Paul Society who owned the property and financed it, and the Maris brothers who managed it day by day. And now to a brief uh, description of the brothers in the photo. 
Brother Francis Borgia or Francis Mullins. Born 31 March 1860, died 1 July 1933. Brother Francis is on the left of the photo. He took the habit on December 8, 1874. After a few years in Sydney, his early appointments were in New Zealand, and he was on the first staff at Christchurch with Brother Pius V in 1888. He taught in Wellington under Brother Edwin in 1891, looking after 78 boys in the little class in an area 15 feet by 20 feet. Brother Francis returned from New Zealand to St. Joseph's in 1889 and did much to interest the boys in the new code, rugby. Brother Francis was the first director of St. Vincent's Boys Home Westmead in 1896 and was director or sub-director for most of the years till 1922, when, when illness restricted his work. Brother Francis was 73 when he died. Brother Berkmans, or Thomas Lyle, born 10 April 1864, died 9 February 1936. Brother Berkmans is on the right of the photo. Thomas Lyle was born at Orange, New South Wales in 1864. He and his brother Joseph, who became Brother Xavier, joined the Institute from Dubbo. His third brother, John Lyle, born 1860, joined the Institute in 1884 as Brother Coleman, but withdrew in 1889. Thomas received the habit and the name Berkmans in July 1883 at Hunters Hill. He taught at St. Francis Haymarket in the early years and was sub-director of the first staffs of Westmead Boys Home, 1896 to 1903, for which work he ever afterwards showed great affection and support. After two years at St. Joseph's, he was at North Sydney for seven years, 1907 to 1914, when he was appointed director of St. Patrick's Harrington Street, Sydney. His next 10 years up to 1929 were spent with the primary boys at St. Joseph's and Villa Maria in Mark Street, opposite St. Joseph's College. Brother Berkman's ended his days at Mittagong, 1930 to 1936, in the infirmary, where he engaged in all manner of hard work, edifying the novices by his industry, skill, and prayerfulness. There he died, aged 71, and was buried in the community cemetery. Brother Lawrence or James Gilmore, born 26 February 1862, died 3 September 1940. Brother Lawrence is in the centre of the photo and was one of our devoted pioneer brothers. He was a brother for 57 years, began teaching in Sydney schools and was soon appointed to St Joseph's. 
There in 1891, he was in charge of the cricket and of the Australian rules football team. By 1894, he was a provincial councillor, the provincial's deputy and visitor to New Zealand on occasions for the annual retreats. He was provincial bursar for a long time. With brother Francis Mullins, he alternated as director of St. Vincent's Home Westmead during its first 25 years of existence and gave the home its distinctive character. He was master of juniors, 1914 to 1915 at St. Joseph's. In the 1920s, Brother Lawrence was director of the senior brothers at Mittagong. He returned to St. Joseph's as bookkeeper, 1926 to 37, when his eyesight and general health began to fail. He was 78 years old when he died. His piety, docility, devotedness to every duty, his prudence and geniality won him many friends. Today, we take for granted the close association of brothers and lay people in many ministries. But St. Vincent's throughout its entire history was a shared venture between the Maris brothers and the St. Vincent de Paul Society. In fact, it would have been impossible to operate this very special work without the dedication, expertise, generosity, and professionalism of countless lay men and women. Thank you. Well, I don't know about you, but I just love listening to everyone read their articles and reflections. I love the different personalities and reading styles. Yeah, it's just so engaging. And we know many of them, don't we? I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. Blessings to all of you. Have a great day. And we'll be back for the Christ Life July edition. St. Marcelin Champagne, pray for us. And may we always remember to pray for one another. Bye for now.